Welcome back to Yamoja Speaks podcast with your host Shalonda. If you enjoy podcasts about foster care, healing through art, and understanding how to go through a traumatic experience and make it out, we discuss topics relating to growth and development by overcoming our trauma. If this podcast resonates with you, be sure to like, listen, share with others. Let's dive into it. So I am getting back to the original reason why I made the podcast. And it really is to express myself and to really just shed light upon my journey and grow so it's like my journal my diary to myself and opening it up to others who might share the same thoughts and feelings and emotions and so in this podcast episode i am going to express what's been on my mind and i spoke to my sister today and i started to realize the trauma that we all have And I think it's trauma that we share as people. We're all in this together. And we all have a story. We all have traumatic experiences. We all share hurt, pain, joy, laughter at different moments of our lives. And we're trying to achieve the same goal which is connecting to someone being a part of something and something bigger than what we believe we are so my mom's birthday is august 16th and usually i do something to celebrate her to commemorate her and focus on a good that she provided inside this world to give back her energy so that she remains alive and spoken about. So in this podcast episode, I dedicate this one to Sharonda. And it's so good to say my mom's name because she's a part of me. She is a part of my family, embedded in all of the relationships, all of the people, and even in strangers that may know me, but I don't know them or I don't remember who they are, but they remind me of her. Or they, strangers who meet me for the first time and don't know my mom, but bring the essence of what my mom stood for, instilling values inside of me that I demonstrate. And to remember my core that she installed into me, the principles that she stood on. And although I demonstrate those principles and values a little differently than what she did, She gave me a foundation. And maybe it's because I've been busy or maybe it's because I've been deflecting 
that I didn't want to give acknowledgement to my mother. I don't even have my setup for her. I took it down. And then she's not the only one that was on my my setup, but since moving, I don't even have a space for her to dedicate to her and to all the people who are no longer with us, but has shaped this incredible woman that I am. After speaking to my sister, hearing our conversation and me being half distracted and listening to the interactions that she had, my my sister, of course, had with her own children and reflecting on my interactions with my children. And then watching movies and pinpointing the traumatic experience and event that someone was stuck in. I can look and see as clear as day someone else's trauma and how it's playing out in their current time. Even though it was an event from long ago in their childhood or long ago in their past, whether it was years or even months. But what it calls me to do is to look at how I am replaying the same, not to theirs, but the same emotional attachment and experience from my own past in my current time and space. And what I find myself in is a cycle. And when I look inside my space, I've talked about this on a podcast, one way to really understand what state of mind I'm in is when I look at my space. And sometimes I take pictures of my space to remind me how long things have been out of order. And that sends me into, wow, it's been a while since I've been organized or focused or paying attention. And I've allowed things to get out of hand. But seeing that and reflecting on that piece is a portion to actually doing the work and healing. The, the, the deeper level is really addressing it, right? So what does it mean to really address that traumatic experience and pinpoint it? So I'm going to get really, really deep. And I'll tell you, I watched a video, a movie, something like The Dirty Secret or something like that. Something with that title. And I only watched about a half hour 
of it to really kind of get the nip of the idea. And the mother, the mother is a very organized and well-off nurse, nurse who she does an efficient job at work. Everyone loves her. Her work is commendable. She pays attention to details at work. However, when she goes home, it's very chaotic and out of order. And she's a hoarder. So she's attached to all the things that she has collected over the years. And she has no real home for all of the items that she has. And I reflect back into my own life and how my mom didn't have the order in the side of our home the way that I had hoped or wanted or now that I'm older and I'm more mature that I envision for myself. And subconsciously, we pick up on all of this as children. So I told my therapist, I have organized chaos or something to that degree. A walking contradiction, right? I picked up some of the same behaviors in terms of not really focusing on the real details that truly matters. Because I find myself preoccupied by thinking, and, and this is like a hyper you know, focus on thoughts that keep rapidly firing and I'm trying to catch all of them. So sometimes I'm not really focused on a conversation because I'm still thinking my mind is still going and so I'm thinking about several things about home and personal and business all at one time and I'm wondering how much of that hyper focus rapid thinking my mom had to have endured that led her into this idea of organized chaos that led her into not being able to really get her house in order and metaphorically her mind and her life. And I think that we as people can also use this where we have so many thoughts and information coming in because we use social media and we have all these people speaking and talking and showing and displaying their awesomeness, right? And we take in and take in and take in all the information, but we have not gave it out properly. So when it's sitting up here, it affects our day-to-day activities. And of course, you got to throw in the constant emotional 
toil. Because social media toils on our emotions as well. And if you're constantly thinking about all these different topics, your emotions are swaying. You don't have control over your emotions because you look at something and Facebook did a very detailed research a few years ago about that. But you look at something that's very happy and then it trips out and go very sad and then it twists twists again and it's surprising and shocking and then it turns back and then you're happy again and when you really think about it the traumatic experiences that we've had in a path the switching of our emotions really keeps us tied to that baggage the rapid thoughts, the constant flow of information that comes in but never really dished out, and the toiling of our emotions keep us in a state of chaos because we're always on the go. Our minds haven't settled down. And even when we feel like we have a split second to kind of think, and kind of wrap our heads around what's going on. We feel so overwhelmed. At least I know in my personal experience. I feel overwhelmed. And I'm like I don't want to do anything. But do the doom stroll. <laughs> like I just want to. I want to go on social media. And Instagram. And I get caught in that cycle. Information overload. The toiling of my emotions. And although I know consciously i know better subconsciously i'm still tied to this behavior when you think about your trauma what usually happens you want to distance yourself away from it personally i know for a fact i have things that I don't want to discuss. Although I should, I should very much well be okay with diving deep with certain topics that I know I need to. And that is in terms of the traumatic experiences of my past. And being in foster care or being taken into foster care is only a surface level and I can explain that. I can explain that I was in foster care. Matter of fact, I'm willing to say that I was in foster care. Because then it highlights that I have gone through a traumatic experience or the struggle. And I've made it okay. I'm good. On the outside. As it appears to be. But when someone was to look at the inside of my mind and they see the organized chaos or the dirty little secret, see how I type that back in? Yes, that I try to hide because I'm not officially okay. But if I can tie in a story that make it seem like I am, and talk good talk and move real, I can move real fast, I can slick talk and 
I can make it seem like I am very successful. I am very mentally sound. And no one could not really, you know, dig into it unless I start to open my mouth and telling the truth. But the truth has to come from me telling myself that I'm not okay. The truth comes from you telling yourself that you're not okay. And then the second follow-up question should be, why am I not okay? What's going on that I'm not okay with? I'm still learning about my triggers. I'm still learning how to dive deeper into my traumatic experiences that now shape the habits that I have and also shapes the direction of my life. The fears that I don't want to really speak about or to display or even sometimes I I keep those secrets. I mean, my fears as a secret for myself. So... (laughs) So I'm like lying to myself about my fears or I say it in my mind, but I don't speak it out loud because I don't want it to exist in this physical realm. So I I know what I'm fearful of, but sometimes I try to reject that fear, but it's still there and it still affects me. And that I was really thinking about these two words, affect and effect. So it affect me, but it also effect, cause and effect, the decisions and my output. So it affect what I do in a day, what I think about in a day, what my behaviors or routines are. Because I'm rejecting something that's still lingering there. And just because I reject it doesn't mean that it goes away. It means that it's hidden. And usually our subconscious is the place that it hides out. And since I believe it's cited that 95% of what we do is subconscious. Just because it's out of sight does not mean that it is gone, it has vanished, it's no longer there. No, it means it's out of sight, but you still have it lingering inside of your home. You just misplaced the object. I misplaced it. Right? So diving deep means to clean out the clutter. To cleanse the dirty little secrets. Really addressing the underlayer of the trauma or the traumatic experience underneath it. So because I was in foster care, guess what transpired? My relationships with my siblings diminished quickly too. And that is a portion of my trauma. 
Because when I was younger, I was a kid. Our relationships with living with my mom were fantastic. Of course, you know how siblings fight. But it's also one swing, all swing type of mentality. So because I fought with my siblings, that don't mean that I'm not going to swing on somebody if my sister decides to throw that first punch. I got the second one. Because that was how we grew up to be. We stuck together. So the underlining trauma from being in foster care was that I lost the connections with my siblings. And that, that is just one piece of what still affects me right now and contributes to my output of habits and routines. Because although I like to say that I don't talk to anyone or I love to stay by myself, I know that same little girl who followed her siblings around going to camp and I made sure that I had an activity with one of my siblings. Each of my activities had one of my siblings inside of that activity because I wanted to be around my siblings and I could not depart from them. So to be in foster care and to be separated and not really addressing that portion because that hurts to be separated from what you know, from what you love, and from what you are so familiar with. It cuts a little bit deeper. It's time for us to dive deeper in our healing process, in our healing journeys, and address those things. And for me, I'm happy that I was finally able to say it's not that I was in foster care that really affected me. It's the fact that my mom's immediate family, meaning the family that she birthed, my siblings and I were tight. Right? And we knew to stick together and to have that ripped away from me is a huge challenge for me to face. Because I'm the youngest and I've watched all of them bump their heads and I was able to learn from their bloody scalps 
and say, that's not what I want to do. (laughs) I feel like that might be harmful for me. So I don't want to do that. And then on the other side, I seen them display their talents, their skills. And I also had the opportunity to say, hmm, that is a wonderful skill. I want to be like that. I want that skill. So I got both sides of the coin. I got the really good positive side where I see my siblings displaying strong skills that if they had the support around them and said, you are really good at this or you could be good at this, let's continue to cultivate it. Let's continue to cultivate this skill that you have. Because once I seen that my siblings had certain skills and I wanted those skills, I took them and I had someone else cultivated it within me. I had people backing me up to inform me that I was good at it. I had formed a circle around me of people to encourage me, to push me into doing those things. And although it was a challenge, because everything is, they still pushed me towards it. So the skills weren't mine. I watched other great people display these. And I said, hmm, if they can do it, I can do it. So I'm going to take this skill and I'm going to try to enhance it for myself. And I might not be as good as them. But I have the support that they don't have. So I'm going to try my hardest to try to display it. And maybe when I display I'm going to call it out a mediocre form of their talent or their skill. Maybe they'll look at my mediocrity and say, hmm, I could do that. And we have like the sibling rivalry, which is like all fun and games where it's not like I'm going to beat you down to the ground to win. Nothing like that. But it's like you think that you good, but I'm going to be better. But we still laugh at the end of the day. And then when I get displayed on, you know, in news articles and TV, <laughs> you know, all the wonderful things, when I get displayed and interviewed and they ask me about these great mediocre skills that I have acquired, right? I can say, I got my skills and my talents from looking at my skillful and talent, talented siblings. And I can give them their roses for them to step up and say that they were really the inspiration behind me being who I am. So the way that I speak about them or think about them And although they have made their decisions in life, like we all do, making mistakes, bumping our heads, because I definitely have some bruises, I am not unscathed. I can also have a level of consideration for understanding that they haven't reached a level 
yet that they see their skills and talents as useful. And then they don't have the support to really cultivate it and water it for it to flourish. But if I give them that credit, they at least have one person in their corner to drizzle. Just a little bit, you know what I mean? You know, just a little bit of water. Not too much that I become dry, but you know, just a little bit. For them to see that they at least inspired one person to be great. And although it came out of a place of trauma, and a lot of our talents and skills come out of a place of depression and trauma and weariness. We use those skills to bring ourselves out of it. We bring our skills to a different level by going through the darkest times of our lives and reflecting on it to make ourselves better and to force us to mature into a level of wisdom that we would not have otherwise got unless we went through something that, as others would say, humbled us, but I would say reminds us that we as human beings are going through a struggle. And to remind us that we, as the people, we as the people have to look at others and see compassion and consideration. And we as people need to really see that we're not alone in our struggle. So because I have a certain experience or story, when I open my mouth to be vulnerable enough to talk about that, I make a connection with someone and they can now share their story because it's similar to mine. And now we can both bounce the ideas off each other and energy off of each other. and We can push each other to be greater. So we're pushing each other out of this trauma, out of repeated negative behaviors into something amazing, pushing us to thrive. That's all I had to say for my little small rant. And I dedicate this to Sharonda Rochelle Swanson, my mother, and her children. I am not going to mention my siblings' names, their real names. I'm going to just shout them out by their nicknames, Shay Shay, Steve. I don't know if I should be saying that name. 
I'm gonna call you Reg <laughs> and Chuck. <laughs> mm. This has been like a really good podcast episode. Um, really diving a little bit more deeper into what has affected me for a while that I was not otherwise able to get out and really share. So listen, if this podcast episode resonate with you, be sure to send it to someone. Maybe they can also enjoy it. If you like this type of content, come on over because we welcome you to the community. And you can also find us on Instagram at Yamoja Speaks. I'm also on Facebook. And I am out. <laughs>